so I wasn't here last week. Last week I was in South Carolina uh, with my family. Um, one of my uncles uh, had gone to be with the Lord, and I just want to let you know, uh, without going into too much detail, God was so faithful. There was so much peace and clarity. And my Uncle Jack was asked, um, point blank, are, are you afraid of dying? When Basically the doctor said, I'm giving you 24 hours, but you won't live 24 hours. And so family asked, are, are you afraid of dying? He said, no. No, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of dying. He said, I'm, I'm kind of sad because you all are going to be sad, but I'm not afraid of death. And that was such peace. And they even like mapped out the plan. Like, okay, well, we can, the doctor said we can do one of three things. And then my Aunt Linda, she didn't know what to do because this is, you know, pertaining to the love of her life, my Uncle Jack. And so Linda turns to my Uncle Tommy and said, Uncle Tommy, what, what should we do? And he, he said, well, I think, I think this plan, this option sounds the best. And then he said, Jack, what do you think? And my Uncle Jack said, that sounds like a good plan. That's a good plan. I think we should go with that. I mean, just... No fear of death. That man knows Jesus, knew Jesus, and knows Jesus, and is with Jesus. So um, it was a remarkable time. Um, I, I watched the first part of the service that I could, and then we had a, a family event. But on Wednesday, I sat outside. It was a beautiful day. And I put on my headphones, and I watched the entirety of the service. And I have to say, I was so encouraged and edified and inspired and built up by the sharing of testimonies. And so for everyone who spoke, well done. And it's interesting because for some, I'd say it was more a word of of encouragement that came. I I think hawks that came forth was definitely a word that encouraged. And we're told to do that. We're told to encourage and edify, to build up one another in the faith. And And what hawks did was definitely that. He encouraged the men. He encouraged others to come to the Bible study. He he built up Chris for leading that group. And then, of course, you know, what Sammy did was like darn near a, a preach, man. Sammy just pointed us to Jesus at the front, in the middle, and at the end. And um, I only highlight a couple, but I, I will say, anytime we share of God's goodness, it's always good. Anytime we testify, and that's what it is, it bears fruit. Now, we don't always see the fruit. We don't always see the results. But the results are always good, and they're always God. I, I want to share a few scriptures on, on testimony here at the start of my message. Psalm twenty two twenty two says, I will tell of your name. I will tell of your goodness. I will tell of everything that's represented in the name of Jesus. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Psalm 66, 16, come and hear all you who fear and revere God. And I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Oh, isn't that beautiful? What he's done for my soul, what he's done for my mind and my will and my emotions. I'll tell you about it. Psalm 71, 15 and 16, my mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord, I will come. I will come talking about the might of God. I will remind them of your righteousness. Yours alone, not mine. It's not a testimony if I get up and I say, man, let me tell you about, 
you know, this, this uh, half marathon I ran, which I, this is hypothetical. Clearly, I've never ran a half marathon, okay? <laughs> totally hypothetical. Um, this, this half marathon I, I ran, and I trained, and I worked hard, and I adjusted my, my diet, and I bought the best shoes, and then I went out and ran it, and I crushed it. It's not a testimony. That's awesome. I think you're awesome. I think it's not a testimony. It's a testimony when we point people to Jesus, when we rave about Jesus. When we say, I, I didn't have an answer, and I prayed, and this is how God came through, and that's what we heard. It was just wonderful on Sunday. Let me say this. Uh, I, I got two more. I'm going to read them. They're good. They're good. First Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. In church, you are doing that. And then John 3.30. This is fantastic. He must increase. But I must decrease. He must increase. But I must decrease. I must rave about Jesus. I must share about Jesus. I must talk about him. I must not keep it to myself. And that, that phrase, but I must decrease. Allow me a little liberty here. But I must swallow my pride. But I must swallow my insecurities. But I must push down the fact that this isn't really what my personality and what my temperament does. So that he might increase. So that he might be glorified. Only God can turn a mess into a message. Only God can turn a trial into a triumph. Only God can turn a victim into victory. And only God can turn a test into what? A testimony. There's great power in preaching. I love preaching. I do. It, I love preaching. I love everything about it. The preparation, the time with the Lord, it's getting up here and, and getting to point you to Jesus. I love it. But there is special power in followers of Jesus sharing personal testimony with others. Personal testimony, let's just give it a definition. Just so we're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Let's just give it a definition. Telling others out of our own experience what we know to be true about Jesus, who he is, what he is able to do for those who trust him, what he is willing to do for those who trust him, and most powerfully, what he has done for us. Now, we do it from time to time here in the service so that it can, it can serve as a type of equipping and so that we can be encouraged and so we can look and go, all right, I, that was good. I might be able to do that. But honestly, the, the, the testimony that needs to take place often is not just here in this place on a Sunday. It's good when we do it on a Sunday. But it's meant to be out there telling somebody about Jesus Please uh, turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps to John chapter 4. The story of the Samaritan woman by the well who Jesus talks to is an incredible example of the power of testimony. Together we will see how she came
to know the Lord and then went out to tell others what Jesus had done for her. She did not preach to them. She simply encountered Jesus and then she told her story. Telling of her story resulted in many people giving their lives to Christ. So when I talk about the Samaritan woman at the well, it wasn't too long ago, a few weeks ago, I, I preached a message and talked about the good Samaritan, right? The, the good man from Samaria. So let me just highlight once again, just so we understand what the dynamic is between Jewish folk and Samaritan folk, okay? Um, think of far, far left politically. Think in the political spectrum for a second. Think about someone who doesn't know Jesus on the far, far left and think about someone who doesn't know Jesus on the far, far right. Okay? Think about things that can come out and it's just angry and hate-filled and fear-filled and selfish and narrow on both sides. Okay? That's the comparison I want to draw between Jewish folk and Samaritan folk. Okay? Don't like each other. Jews would go around Samaria, not go through Samaria. They didn't want any interaction. So let's keep this in mind. Before I jump in, I feel like I need to do like a a few bullet points. I want to say there's four good reasons why every Christian should speak up and share a personal testimony of Jesus. Number one, Jesus encouraged it. Jesus encouraged it. In Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says, But Jesus said, Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit uh, the ten towns, the, the Decapolis of that region, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. This is a man that was demon-possessed. So much so that they bound him in chains. They kept him on the outskirts of town. He was a violent threat. Jesus set him free. And it says they were amazed at what he told them. He went and said, I was once bound and now I'm free. I'm that guy. You're not that guy. I'm that guy. You're not that guy. Here's my license. I'm that guy. Jesus set me free. Number two, second reason, good reason why Christians should speak up. The apostles practiced it. We see in scripture that Paul shares his testimony. We see it seven times in his letters that he wrote. He shares his testimony all the time. I was this guy. I encountered Jesus and now I'm this guy. I was here. I believed in Jesus and now I'm here. I did this. And unfortunately, I did it really good. I was really good at being really bad. I believed in Jesus. Now my life has lived for him and is making a difference and is bearing fruit seven times. Number three, the Holy Spirit uses it. Acts chapter eight shows how the Holy Spirit brings fruit and hungry hearts out of a lone individual's testimony. So when we get to the story of the Samaritan woman, that's going to be 
that's where I'm going to camp. And that's going to be the emphasis of what I share. But it's also going to be a type of foreshadowing to, to Acts chapter 8. As a result of Jesus and the disciples being in Samaria, let's see what happens later after Jesus has lived, died, rose from the grave, and now the church is advancing. So Acts chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. But Saul, this is before he was Paul, this is while he was still doing bad stuff. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, went about sharing the goodness of God. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord, the crowds in Samaria with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. As we read this, this happened because of what we're going to dig into of the work of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. So it's a, it's a good study and, and we should kind of circle back on that, but I have a number four. Number four is we should speak up, we should share because every Christian can do it. Because this, every Christian can do. See, not every Christian can preach. Not every Christian can teach. Not every Christian can lead worship. Not every Christian can sing. Not every worship can declare Jesus on their instrument or play an instrument. But every Christian can do this. Every Christian can say the words that we see in John 3.11 and John 9.25. John 3.11 says, I assure you, we tell you what we know and we tell you what we have seen. That's it. And I'm just letting you know what I saw. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm just telling you what I experienced with Jesus. I'm just telling you, I didn't hear about this from a friend. I saw it. I felt it. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And then John 9, 24 and 25 So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this. So this is the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. You know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to turn people against Jesus. So they're saying, God should get the glory for this because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The man replied, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. But I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Here's what I know. I was bound. And now I'm free. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not going to get swept up in that. I'm going to tell you. I was broken. And now I'm healed. I was without hope. And now I'm full of hope. My, my family was a mess. My marriage was a mess. And now we're restored. So I'm just telling you what Jesus has done in my life. I, yeah, but aren't, aren't every Christian, I, 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 whatever. I'm, I'm talking about every Christian. I'm talking about this Christian and what the Christ has done for me, what Jesus has done for me. We can all do this. If we know Jesus, we can all do this. I, I, I don't want to get swept up in that. I don't want to debate this. I don't want to argue this. I'm telling you, this is what Jesus did for me. Right? Amen. Amen, Mark. Oh, that's right. Amen. It's a good time for an amen. Woohoo! All right. 
John chapter 4. If we're in fellowship with God, some seemingly very ordinary occurrences in our life can turn into profound moments with God. The ordinary can turn into the remarkable. We'll be in the midst of of acting very naturally, of going about our business, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, somebody will see something in us that makes them speak up. They'll see something. They'll hear something. They'll be moved by God because because God is drawing all men unto himself. He desires that not one would perish. So he's constantly wooing us. He's constantly drawing the lost to him so that they're lost no more but found. So we'll be in the midst of our day not doing anything spiritual, just being unremarkable in the moment. And the Holy Spirit will use it to catch someone's attention and God will open the door. They'll speak and Jesus will say, I teed you up. I teed you up. Locked and loaded. Knock it out. John chapter 4, verse 4. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so it's about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water from the well. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Uh, For his disciples had gone uh, into the city to buy food for him. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, someone on the exact polar opposite of my people, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, this well, We'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. It's interesting. We already highlighted the contrast between, between Jews and Samaritans. The disdain, the hatred, the avoidance. And she notices something very unique. Jesus is nice to her. He's nice to her. He talks to her. He shares with her. He's kind. Friends, if we want the opportunity to share Jesus... We should follow his example of kindness and love and not getting distracted by the polar opposites, right? She 
she she came to him not yet understanding the depth of what Jesus was saying. She came to him saying, I don't want to have to lug this jug around anymore. It's deep. I don't want to have to lower it down and then pull it back and then carry it back to the village. I don't want to do that anymore. So, yeah, I'm in. Where's that water? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here, come back. The woman answered, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're, you're right, you're right in saying that I have no husband. In all reality, you've had five husbands and the one you have now, he's not your husband. So you're, you're telling me the truth. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, clearly you're a prophet. I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say uh, that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now, I love that. And let me just say this right now. We don't have to make apologies for Jesus. We don't have to make apologies for the truth. He didn't say... You're okay, I'm okay. What you believe is good and what I believe is good. It's all good. He said, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. This is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I'm telling you right now, we don't have to make apologies. Well, I believe in, you know, carpet mummy. That Carpet mummy is the way to, to true life. It's like, no, is carpet mummy is not the way to true life. Jesus is. That's the only way to life. It's the only way to salvation. It's the only way to the Father. Sometimes we we just got to be kind, but also don't be afraid to be offensive. If there's kindness, we can be a little offensive. To tell you right now that if you believe in carpet mummy and you believe wholeheartedly that carpet mummy is the way to truth, and I tell you, you are wrong. Jesus is. He will bring you life. I'm okay being offensive as long as there's a kindness and a love that I bring that message with. You guys with me? But the hour is coming and here now. Okay. Uh, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then she kind of lingers a little. I think she's like. And Jesus said to her. What you suspect is true. I'm he. I'm him. I'm the Messiah. You realize this is the first person Jesus revealed himself to as the Messiah? Not to his disciples, not to the religious leaders, not to Jewish folk, to this Samaritan woman. He's like, yeah, what's running through your head right now? You're right, I'm him. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. It's remarkable. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They they marveled that he was talking to a Samaritan woman especially. Let's continue reading, turning our attention now to that Samaritan woman to see the power of, of personally testifying in action. 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. She left her water jar and went to town. She came there for what reason? She came to that well for what reason? Water. She left the water jar there. Why? Because she was satisfied. She came there seeking satisfaction. She came there seeking a quenching of her thirst and a a fulfilling of her hunger and desire. She came there empty. And she got filled up. And she was satisfied. When we read between the lines and we see what she's about to do next, here's what I firmly believe. This is the first person ever saved in the traditional way that you and I are now saved. By talking with Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Because this is the first person he ever revealed it to. This is the first, And she trusted in him. She believed in him. She believed in him so much, she left her jug and ran back into town. Saved. Changed refreshed, satisfied. Her soul had been satisfied. That's why she left the jar. Jesus prophesied to her saying, if you drink of my water, you will never thirst again. And she responded in faith and said, then I don't need this. Right? If you believe that Jesus is the Savior and the only one that can quench your thirst, I'm asking you right now, what is it that you need to leave behind and say, then I don't need this. Then I don't need this anymore. Because I have Jesus. And I don't need this. I don't need that anger anymore. That anger helped me for a while. It carried me through for a while. I don't need anger anymore because I have Jesus. That pain, that hurt, that betrayal, I carried it so long. It's what defines me. But I don't need that anymore because I have Jesus. And I will leave it here in his presence. Jesus' salvation is not a well. It is a spring. It's burdensome carrying that jug. It's burdensome letting it down into the water. It's burdensome pulling that that well out of the water. It's heavy. It's burdensome. The salvation in Jesus Christ is not a well. It's a spring. It splashes up. It gets all over you. It satisfies. It refreshes. It brings life. She found the spring of life. She found living waters. And for those of us who will trust in Jesus and walk with him, we get that anytime we want. Anytime we want. Because in his fullness, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of refreshing. This spring is eternal. Jesus' eternal life is with us always. It is a spring that is inside of you. So we don't have to go to a holy place. We don't have to go to church to experience the spring on Sundays. Now that said, come to church on Sundays. It's awesome being here together. Okay, this is not your excuse to stay at home. I, I would never do that. Although there's understanding for those of you that are 
there's legit reasons you're staying home. I'm with you. We carry the spring with us wherever we go. We can be satisfied. We can have a life that's satisfied all the time. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of drought, even in the midst of hurt, we can have new life, living water all the time. It gives the possibility of being constantly satisfied. Let's continue in in John chapter 4, verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out from the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, teacher, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? God bless them. Sometimes they're just a little slow. Sometimes we're a little slow. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish the work of the Father. You know what we see now? Jesus is satisfied. Now I'm good. I was hungry before. I'm good now. I'm full. I'm full. I'm filled up. How can you be full? You haven't eaten anything. No, my father opened an opportunity and I just walked right into it. It's fulfilling. It's satisfying. Doing the work of my father is satisfying. I'm good. I'll be hungry later. I'm good right now. Then Jesus offers something to the disciples that will bring satisfaction to them. Verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Basically he's saying, you plant seed, And then you wait four months and then there's the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And when he says look, he literally means look up. Look at the crowd that's coming this way. Look, they're ripe. They're ripe for the harvest. They're coming to be satisfied. They're coming to be refreshed. They're coming to be saved. Look, and they are white and ready for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. He's like, I did all the work. You haven't done anything. See the crowd coming? You didn't labor at all. You didn't sow at all. I did it all. They're coming. I'm just asking you to bring in the harvest. I just want you to know. When God tees you up and you have the opportunity to share about his goodness, someone else or lots of someone else's have already done the work by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he brings us to that place where he says, step into it, bring in the harvest, someone else has already done the work. He just wants us to be faithful to declare Jesus and to talk about Jesus and to share who he is and what we've seen and not get swept up in all this other stuff, but to say, this I know, this I've seen. He's changed my life. 
Holy Spirit anoints it, harvest. Now, sometimes we're just part of that work of sowing and someone else sees the harvest. But I'm promising you, we'll have plenty of opportunity for harvest if we just stay, if we stay active and alert. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer, it is no longer, this is awesome, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. God used it though. But it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. We've experienced Jesus for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, Jesus departed for Galilee. Sometimes God works suddenly. Sometimes God works dramatically. I'm telling you right now, I, I firmly believe, and because we don't see it in Scripture, there might have been. There's lots of stuff that happened that we that weren't that wasn't written down. John said it. If everything that Jesus ever did or said was written down, the, the earth couldn't contain it. So we don't we don't know. But when I say this statement, I believe it's true. I don't believe the disciples have ever ever had a time of ministry like this before. Ever. And they were satisfied. And they experienced satisfaction that day. That's because of one woman's encounter with the Messiah. She ran off and gave testimony. She brought people to Jesus and the disciples. And they just hauled in one fish after the other. One fish after the other. My buddy Will, he's a, he's a fly fisherman, and he says sometimes he has those kind of days where every time he throws, he catches a fish, releases. Throws, catches a fish, releases. Will's never had a day like this. Will's never had two days straight like this. It paved the way where now Christians didn't go around Samaria, Jewish Christians, they went straight through Samaria, and they found hearts that were open and hungry and willing because of the work that Jesus did at this well by introducing them to the spring of life. We just, we have to have eyes to see. We have to have eyes to see. There's a lot of hungry people. There's a lot of thirsty people. There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of desperate people. There's a lot of angry people. I'm not afraid of angry people. I've got a peace in, in me that surpasses anger. If you believe in Jesus and you're walking with Jesus, you've got a peace in you that passes understanding, that passes anger, that passes prejudice, that passes all these things. But you, it's got to be about Jesus, not about you. No one wants to hear about the half marathon you ran and the training, and the awesome shoes, and that you did it. What they want to hear is, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'd reached the end of me. And that's when I found Jesus. 
And my life's never been the same. This is what he's done for me. Well, can you show me that in scripture? Uh, honestly, I don't even have a Bible. I just, I just found Jesus. I don't even have a Bible yet. I'm just telling you what he did for me. It'll change lives. They'll come to Jesus. They'll encounter Jesus and they will leave with their own testimony. And then they'll go back into their neighborhoods, into their spheres of influence, into their workplaces. Friends, this is who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. We're called to just say, yep, let me rave about Jesus for a minute. I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching. I, I, I I would do a horrible job at preaching. But I can rave about Jesus. I can share what Jesus has done for me. You can all do it. You can all do it. And you know what? Even if you stumble and fumble through it, even if it's awkward and unpolished, the Holy Spirit will use it. So don't let that keep us from sharing. I love that she's like, oh, let me, let me get my husband. Oh, I'm not married. And he's like, you're right, you're right. You've been married five times. You're, you're not great at relationships. The guy you're with now is not your your husband. But I can change that. I can change that, that you're not great with relationships. Whatever hurt is there, I'm just letting you know, I can, I can turn that around. I can bring you life. Whatever you felt like you needed to carry around to be sustained, to be fulfilled, I'm letting you know right now that I've got something better. You can just leave it. You can just leave it. You don't need it anymore. Confess your sins one to another that you might be whole. I preached about confessing our sins a couple few weeks ago. This woman went back into the town and said, Jesus has told me everything, everything. He knew everything about me. He he knew I had five husbands. She didn't care. She'd encountered Jesus. She was saved. She didn't care. Her baggage, she didn't care about her baggage. She wasn't carrying shame. She was carrying life. Confess your sins one to another that you might be whole. Yep, she did it. Bear testimony. Share of God's goodness. Yep, she did it. I'm telling you guys, when we see little things in Scripture that we might not understand and that we might not be comfortable with, that, that do it anyway. Do it anyway. Because He's true and He's trustworthy. And He's good and He's mighty. He's mighty to save. Um... Let's just close our eyes. I'm not certain what the Lord wants, so let me just ask him. Uh, Lord, what, what, what do you desire right now? I've, my notes are closed. I don't know what else to do or say. Lord, what, what do you want right now? The Lord wants us to just lay down some of those jugs that we found life in before. That was our means of refreshing. That was our means of of gaining satisfaction. And he's saying, set it down and run to me. So right now, can we just individually, right there where you are, respond to him. What are the things he's saying? Lay that down. 
For some, he's asking you to lay down anger because you've used it before and it was, it was effective for you to, before. And he says, I've got, new, I've got new tools for you now. I've got new weapons for you now. You don't need that anymore. I've got love for you now. And love is a conquering tool. I can use love in you. So just set down the anger. For some, he's asking to set down the hurt and the betrayal. This defines you. And you say, no, I want to define you. I want to define you by me. I want to define you by grace and mercy and love. So I want you to give me that hurt. I want you to give me that betrayal. I feel like the Lord's saying that for some, I want you to give me that success. You, you've... You've been defined by success and I don't even want you defined by success. I want you defined by me. So if that's you, whether whether you're out there listening and worshiping with us online, if that's you, just respond right now. Say, Jesus, I, I lay down success and my strengths and my talents and my hard work because I want to be defined by you. Thank you, Lord. The key here is to respond. The key here is to respond. Don't just listen. I'm not a, I'm not a speaker. And you're not an audience. We're the church. And I'm bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. And we all respond. So let's just respond to it. there's anybody listening right now, whether you're in this building or whether you're online and you don't know Jesus, you can know him. You've just got to place your trust and your belief in him. If the words that are spoken are resonating in your heart as truth and you're just like, what do I do? How do I respond to this? You call out to the name of Jesus and you say, Jesus, save me. Here's my life. Here's my sins. Here's my past. Here's my shame. Here's my hurts. Here's my abuse. Here's my strengths. Here's my talents. Here's my drive. Here's my all. I give you my all. And I trade it for whatever you have for me. I trade it for new life. I trade it for living water. It doesn't take a formalized prayer, friends. I'm just letting you know right now. It doesn't take some really polished, formalized prayer. He just wants your authentic words. Jesus, save me. Jesus, come. Jesus, I believe in you. As we wrap up the service, if you need prayer for anything, man, you are in the right place and you tuned in at the right time. Because we would love to pray. And when we pray, awesome things happen. God works. God moves. It's awesome. You're at the right place at the right time. So if you're in this building, come up at, at, at the close of service. And one of these awesome Jesus-loving people is going to pray for you. If you're watching online, if you will 
email us right now at contact at impactrock.com. Leave us your phone number. One of us will call you and pray with you over the phone. And God's got awesome stuff for you. Um, I love you guys. Let's leave here. Refreshed. Let's leave here. Just having the Lord just poured himself out on us. But let's also leave here ready and available to be used by God and to share others. I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an awesome, awesome day. Jesus loves you so much. If you need prayer, let's come on up and let's pray for you. Have a great day.